back at it again with the ambush uh, start recording it's the bad pipes podcast i'm andrew with me today is scott as well as our little buddy our tiny friend our little our little pal matt hey james small i think this uh, is like the first time we've had uh a guest return like like having like twice in a row right like two weeks in a row i think tom yeah. a couple times maybe tom's once. Yeah, I'm a week in a row for you know I couldn't skip up on the you know the war movies I love war movies so as a reminder uh, we did watch three war movies this week uh, 1917 1941 and 1944 the joke there being that they're all just war movies named after the year they are indeed. Um, I'm thinking we just go through this by year. So we start with the First World War. We go back to 1917. We figure out what was going on. Great. So that's the only one I didn't watch. So I'll I'll pretend like, you know. Well, I don't know what the fuck happens. And I'll just ask you guys questions about it. Fair. This is all that happens. Two guys get a mission from a general. He's like, deliver these orders to not attack to these guys who are on the other side of uh, German-held territory. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they've they performed a tricky maneuver. They withdrew, but the aerial surveillance has revealed that it's a trap. A trap. Uh, and all these guys from the 2nd Division are about to run to their deaths. Uh, yep. And so uh, how, how long do they have? Is it like... Oh, he, they got like... They got like... Till the, they're basically like... I don't know. It's probably like, like early morning, and then they have to yeah. like dawn of the next day. To yeah, get basically, there. they basically have like less than twenty-four hours to run this across like dangerous enemy territory and deliver it and stop the advance of the troops. So I think they said it's like nine miles straight, but mm-hmm. uh, they're having to go through like trenches and no man's land and tunnels mm-hmm. at one point and mm-hmm. fucking fields at one point. Like, it's crazy. All with the possibility of getting shot. Or blown up. Or blown up or gassed. Or fucking stabbed. Or uh, hit with an airplane. Or Or drowned. Drowned. Um. (laughs) Damn. They're having a rough time. It's a rough time. Accidentally sticking your hand into the corpse of a German soldier. (laughs) After after it being pierced with fucking barbed wire. After you fucking gashed it on the razor wire, yeah. God, that, that scene. I was like, "Oh, yeah, he's dead." <laughs> that that <laughs> had me. That something. I watched that happen. I go, "Oh, yeah, no, like you're just you're, you're just gonna die now." Like it's. it's you see done. his face too when it happens. He's so fucking pissed at the other guy that bumped him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So this movie follows two characters, uh, Blake and Schofield. and Schofield. Um. I think they're both Lance Corporals, if I remember correctly. They are both Lance Corporals. All right, and they're so, Brits, right? Yep. Yeah, so the whole thing is following the a British, the British rifle company. Infantry. Yeah. Um, George McKay plays Schofield. Dean Charles Chapman plays Blake. Uh, but um, he has some really good cameos in this. You get Richard yeah. Madden is uh, Blake's brother. Well, I was going to say, they definitely... So these two delivering the message, uh, Blake has even more incentive to get this message delivered on time because his brother, Lieutenant Joseph Blake, played by Richard Madden, is part of that second division that is about to be sent to their deaths. 
Yeah, but back mm. to casting. Uh, you've got Andrew Scott, which people would probably oh, recognize yeah. from like. Uh, um, he plays Moriarty in Sherlock. Yeah. Yep. You got yeah. Benedict Cumberbatch. You got Mark Strong and Colin Firth. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. Billy Postlewaite. Wait. Uh, it's like. It's just chock full of British dudes, basically. Dang. The <laughs> yeah. cast is strong with this one. It, very strong. Yeah. Uh, so most notably, what most people would have heard about with this movie is the, the cinematography, because most of it, I think, is like, it's basically three long tracking shots. Yeah, there's only like two cuts, essentially. Yeah, yeah um, I, rem- I remember I reading count. that. Yeah. Yeah, so like... The initial perspective is it's kind of following Blake and Schofield together. Um, and, like, it's a little indecisive. It'll follow one of them for a little bit. It'll move the other one for a little bit. Move back to the other one for a little bit. Um, but then, after a whole adventure, they get to this, like, farmhouse. And the camera very specifically goes with Schofield. And starts, like, only following Schofield at that part. Yeah. Uh because they watch a fucking German plane get shot down. It crashes into the fucking barn, like right in front of them. Yeah. They, Pull the pilot out, and then the pilot fucking yeah, shanks they, Blake. In the they, they're they're attempting to save this pilot, and he just returns the favor with, yeah, just shanking Blake. Good old classic stabbing. Um, and, yeah, Imperial he... Steel. He has a very heartbreaking death. Yeah, I teared up at that. That that his acting in that scene was phenomenal. Both uh, of them, man. Yeah. Like, um the two leads are like phenomenal across the entire movie. Um, oh yeah. I mean, they're great. They're great actors and they've they've been in the biz for a while since they were younger. I I like their faces I recognize from a lot of different things, like mm-hmm. Dean Charles Chapman. Wasn't he in Game of Thrones? Wasn't he like the king at one point? Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, he, like he was uh, Tommen. He was Tommen. He and he ended up killing himself? Uh, the flowers girl. Yeah. Yeah, and then he kills himself. I remember that. He was yeah. like too nice for his own good. She gets blown up in the church, and then he just takes the uh, long walk off a short pier. <laughs> Or window sill. <laughs> um, but yeah, like he's a, a man who knows acting, how to die. Put it that a lot way. of the acting in this movie is like very subtle. So like it builds character with these like little tiny conversational moments or like small books or those sorts of things. And so like the cinematography for that is really complimentary because it gives you like greater intimacy because you're following them literally the entire time. There's a couple of scenes where, like, the camera will kind of pan out as they're walking, and you get just, like, these broad vistas with them in it. And, like, it's just, it's very pretty. The movie's very pretty. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, the, the cinematography stands out. That's something that I think immediately grabbed me is as they're walking through the trenches, just this long shot, this long shot following them walk through the trenches. And I think, I think the way it's shot, that the fact that they, they don't do cuts in there, it's just one continuous, it's perfect for like this trench warfare sort of setting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm bummed. Cause like, 
I feel like when this first came out, I was like so hyped for it. I don't think I ever saw it, which was a, a bummer. But I think I, out of the three, this one I was the most excited to watch, but I just yeah, I didn't look into how to watch it. I thought it was on Netflix for some reason. Yeah, I think it might have been at one point, but yeah, no, I, I remember hearing about it and hearing about the one the whole one shot thing and it being hyped up. And I just never thought to watch it. I just, I don't know. It was 29. Everyone was hyped about like single take stuff back then. Uh, yeah. What was that? Birdman, I think. Mm -hmm. Was also pretty hyped up about being a... A lot of single shot. Like yeah, it's just like a single playing. shot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Birdman's a weird one. Yeah. 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 When did this um, one come out? This one's 2019. 2019. Yeah. I also yeah. I think I want to uh, take a second to appreciate the, the the score the the you know uh, the music in this um, I think is beautiful done very well it's also used along with the cinematography to build a lot of tension in uh, some of these moments especially when he's sneaking around yeah. you know when he when he has encounters with uh, the you know enemy you know soldiers and when they're moving through the empty German trench and they get mm -hmm. into the bunker and it's like a barracks room and they're like yeah. walking through there that whole scene is just like it's like something out of a horror movie yeah <laughs> and then whenever the fucking rat finally triggers the the damn trip wire i thought uh, schofield was fucking gone dude and i was like yeah. no fucking way but that, that like very quickly establishes the the uh stakes for you like at that yeah. moment it felt very real that either one of these characters could die yeah um yeah i mean like overall it's just like a truly horrific depiction of the events of world war one like yeah. i think the mm -hmm. only things you don't really see are like machine guns came into world war one I. I don't think tanks came in until later uh you didn't see any like gas warfare mm -hmm. um oh there wasn't any in the movie nope. no but there wasn't oh, any, shocking. Like, there wasn't any heavy shelling until like the end of the movie. And yeah. usually gas was like delivered through artillery. Yeah, I was I was gonna say because the majority of the movie is these two eventually just one character moving through kind of uh, moving through like the, the no man's land, this kind of enemy occupied territory. However, most of those again, most of those have retreated uh to to the new front line to set that trap so like you're not you don't really get a whole lot of the heavy until like he kind of gets there yeah you don't um, see any germans until the like second act of the movie after blake has been killed yeah when he gets to uh what was well, the i guess name? technically the first time you see a german is when the plane comes down and then blake gets killed by him yeah i think it was the what was the town called acoust acoust yeah like acoust i believe yeah I it's all french so it sounds disgusting Oh no, we're on this again. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Andrew and his hate for the French. Um uh, yeah, just like overall, uh this movie was really good about showing you the combination of like indifference and hope and futility and empathy and like yeah. each character expresses a lot of those different emotions like very powerfully. Um, yeah. you've got dudes that like just straight up don't know each other be like wishing the most, the best for each other. And also feeling like you're on a fucking suicide run, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it's it's like, like, fuck, if that was me, you know, 
I'm yeah, sure like, there's uh, they're being uh, encouraging, well, but they don't truly believe what they're saying. You get like that sort of feeling over and over from them. Yeah, uh, well, I was gonna say his exchange when he when he hops in the truck with that other um, the other what division or platoon. Yeah. Uh, and, and they're all, you know, they're telling stories. I think just that having that moment and, and them taking a moment to like kind of slow it down. I, I feel like the pacing was really good. And I, and I really, even though there are moments where they slowed things down and they let, let the tension dissipate, it still like grabbed me and I'm sitting there and I'm like, I'm kind of listening to them and getting the feel for how all these men are acting. Like, like they're all going through the horrors of war and yet they're still sitting here trying to tell lighthearted stories and yeah. you know exchange pleasantries and even like you know when he when they get to the broken bridge and he has to go off on his own and they're all just like i mean he tells them good luck they're like just keep it for yourself like you're gonna need it and they all like every single one of them just wishes him good luck and to you know that he makes it yeah that's oh yeah that is the thing about <clears throat> war movies that like that's sort of my barometer test for whether or not I think a war movie is good or not is like, does it really make me empathize with low effort, you know, or just with subtlety? Yeah. No, I mean, and, I know, and we like, get, the... get me thinking like that, you know? Yeah. Or well, and we really, we really get the, the culmination. I mean, we get that, the scene that, I mean, so many people, I, I've seen clips of it on, on social media and TikTok and all that, you get the scene where he leaves the trench. You know, he leaves the crowded trench to try to get his message delivered. Um, and he's yeah, like running, running up across the fucking front line as as they're sending the first wave of men. You notice they use grass in this movie symbolically as like hope. Mm -hmm. So like they're most content in the beginning of the movie when they're both like laying in the grass. Yeah, and then there's the scene where after Blake dies, he's trying to move the body, and the other two dudes come up and they start helping mm -hmm. him. He moves him onto a patch of grass. Yeah, and then at the end there, you got this like untouched battlefield that he yeah. sprints across to get the message to. Uh, yeah. To the well, and even and even at the uh, he uh, to Colonel Colonel McKenzie. Colonel. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so he's literally like spring as as he's. I mean, it, just the way it's shot. Obviously, again, one take, and it's just the that steady cam following ahead of him, you know, moving backwards, and you just are watching these. You know, he he gets up and he starts going before they send those men, and then all of a sudden you just have these waves of men going, and he's just bumping into them. He's falling over. He's just obviously determined to get where he's got to go. Yeah, the first dude that he knocks over just doesn't get back up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you saw that or not, but I went, oh, shit, that guy yeah. didn't get back up. <laughs> yeah. Um, and even and going back to the grass thing, I mean, even at the very, very end, you know, he, he finds that tree in the middle of this, you know, at, 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 in this field, and he just kind of sits down by the tree to... to I think reflect and well, he sits down because he's fucking exhausted, right? Oh well, yeah, that too. But then he pulls out <laughs> the uh, the picture of like his family, and he's made mm -hmm. no mention whatsoever throughout the entire movie of his family, and he apparently yeah. has a wife and daughter. Yeah. Um. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, that's an interesting way to finish. Yeah. 
Well, I, I kind of like that. It's also like he does this long sprint across the grass, right, in the middle of the battlefield with all these dudes like getting up, running to their deaths, basically. He finally makes it to the colonel. And uh, after the colonel has given the order to call off the attack, um, he gives him this little speech that's like a little bit more poignant because he's like, hope is a fool's whatever, you know, like that mm-hmm. kind of thing. And like he, full er- fool's errand or something? Well, he's basically like, look, they're going to say don't attack today. And then a week from now, they're going to say attack. And so yeah. like, these men's lives were basically saved for nothing. Like we could have pushed yeah. and maybe won a victory here is what he's thinking. Mm-hmm. But now he's like, they didn't die today. So they're just going to die like next week is what he's yeah. Yeah. I think. I think he literally says tomorrow. I think he says, yeah, tomorrow they could say resume the attack in the morning. Yeah. Uh-huh. So that's where you see that like indifference combined with like hope and like futility yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. at clash with like empathy because like as he leaves the room one of the one of the uh like lieutenants or whoever it's there mm-hmm. as well is like good job lad or major he was a major yeah 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 that's pretty bleak yeah i mean it's world war one it's like yeah the most that, bloody, which brutal... is like the bleakest shit ever yeah yeah. Well, I mean, and we invented so many more ways to kill each other in that yeah. war than ever before. So it's just like, well, and and I think one of the things we can also talk about is the setting, like the way. I mean, just just essentially the the scenery that they use and the fact that like they just do such a good job of like hiding these bodies within the scenes of like oh, they'll yeah. be they'll be walking through like a crater or something and you're just seeing like body parts and limbs like hanging out of the the rubble. Yeah, I mean when he he falls into a river on point and like floats yeah. around for a while and has to climb over like all these bloated corpses yeah. to get out of the I, water. that that's one that's what I I definitely that stuck with me is like he he hits that tree that's just collecting corpses that have floated down the river and he's climbing over the bloated bodies oh dude and he gets on the water and just starts sobbing and you're like oh man i feel you dude yeah (laughs) like this movie really makes you go on the journey with them right oh yeah half the time you're just expecting him to get like shot in the back or something yeah yeah no this fantastic movie like even even the scene whenever he meets the french girl who's got the baby and Mm -hmm. you don't know like why he's connecting so much and it's like oh because this is like his family right this is like symbolic of what he's actually fighting for yeah. it has a lot more meaning in retrospect than it does like in the moment because in the moment it you're does. just like oh she helped him with his like cracked skull <laughs> you know? yeah well i was gonna say i'm pretty sure she asks him too if he has children and a yeah, wife or whatever and he just that. doesn't he doesn't answer and then yeah it's at the very end there that you find out like yeah he had a he had a wife and, and kid the entire time wild that's because yeah. it feels like awesome. the movie kind of sets him up as this like nothing to lose kind of guy right yeah um whereas well, I mean, they... blake is like constantly talking about his mom and his brother and like how yeah. important this mission is because he has to get to his brother you know well they um, they they kind of i mean schofield it, it, it's it's very interesting like they have the exchange pretty early on about the, the like the medal and that apparently schofield's already received a medal whereas yeah, Blake he fought at the Somme. Like that's yeah, big. <laughs> exactly. And so Blake Blake is trying to earn his, and that was uh, they have that exchange after Blake pulls Schofield from the rubble inside the tunnel after it collapses, and he goes, "Well, that'll earn you. Like that's for sure going to earn you a medal." Um, and and he explains like he just 
very clearly didn't care about the recognition. And it's, it goes back to that very bleak, hopeless sense you get from this war and from the way that everyone talks. Because he's just kind of like, yeah, I literally, I didn't well, care. It's piece like, of, it, he's like, it's a piece real, of tin. I traded it for wine. The real prize, the real prize isn't uh, renown, right? It's yeah. it's living to go back to your loved ones. It's not yeah. your loved ones getting a yeah. post-mortem award no, I mean, for you. I, that, that's something I think in hindsight, once you figure that out, that he has this family, he has this wife and, and, and kid that it's kind of like oh like it makes more sense that that's just all he was all he was living to do all he was you know determined to do was get back to see them yeah this is almost like a dante's inferno kind of thing with like Mm -hmm. him just going deeper and deeper into hell like at one point he shows up in acoust and like half the fucking town is rubble the other half is on fire yeah there's like drunk german dudes just like sprinting around shooting at him (laughs) uh i mean even when he first gets there he gets in this gunfight with a sharpshooter uh manages to get like all the way up inside shoots the guy gets shot in the head in the helmet falls down like 10 steps of stairs cracks his head wakes up hours later in a puddle of blood like he goes through hell dude to get this mission done well and he like I mean that that's the other thing is like you know you know being on a time crunch like they that's like one of the only cuts of the movie is the fade to black when he gets knocked out and then he wakes up and it went from being very clearly is still light outside to now it is very dark and it's like he was on such a time crunch and he was so worried about making it there in time to where like you know you have the scene where he's getting everyone to push the truck that's stuck in the mud because he's like I've got to fucking go yeah, and then well, you, you like, have that fade and it's like not damn long after that he finds the French girl they have their little interaction then the church bell starts ringing and rings six times he's like oh fuck it's six in the morning like I gotta yeah. fucking go <laughs> yeah uh, but yeah I'm pretty sure the, the only two cuts that I saw were when he gets shot in the head there and when he jumps into the water I think yep. those are the only two yeah it's the fade to black when he gets knocked out and then yeah the, the jump and, and I mean I think there are definitely more cuts. They hide them very well. Yeah. I think it's, when they pan over the dirt mm-hmm. mound, when they are going up to the farmhouse, I think that yeah. was one. Another one I caught was when he's um, running. I think it's after he's met, uh, I think her name's Laurie, the, the French woman. And he's running through the rubble after like killing. He kills the one. It, it, it's basically after he meets her and before the cut at the river. I think he he's running through the like the the ruins of this, and there's one point where he passes a, behind a wall, and I'm pretty sure there's a cut there as well. Hmm. Yeah, overall phenomenal movie. Um, yeah, um, I love this movie uh, a lot. I think this actually might this might be my like top five movies of all time. I'm giving this a ten wow. out of ten, straight up ten out of ten. Okay, That's ridiculous, what? dude. It's not a perfect movie. I I felt it was. It's a nine. It's a <laughs> nine from me, bud. <laughs> I'm giving it a ten out of ten. Hot take. Based on the explanation I received from it, combined with the Rotten Tomatoes percentage, I'm gonna give it a six, an eight point nine. Six, uh, <laughs> eight point nine. And Fair. I've never seen it. <laughs> All right. So now, but it sounds good. Us- to uh let's lighten the mood a little bit move up to 1941 so anyone who's not aware this is a movie directed by spielberg uh written by a couple of freaking legends 
Robert Zemeckis, uh, Bob Gale, John Milius, um, big names back in the day. Um, but the cast, I think, is where this truly shines. So it's it's essentially a, a glorified SNL movie, you know? It's a a comedy. It's a full-on farce. Uh, but yeah, to your point of like old-school SNL, like it's got John Belushi, Dan Aykroyd. Uh, it's just got like a ton of ton of the big boys from back John Candy um it even had Toshiro Mifune who anyone doesn't know is like the Akira the Akira Kurosawa guy right Roshimon Seven Samurai Throne of Blood Hidden Fortress Yojimbo he is the guy um I love it so I just straight up, I fucking love this movie. Yeah, uh, it was good. So the gist of the plot is that there's like nine different storylines going on. <laughs> uh, All based in paranoia. It is a cross section of life in like Los Angeles in 1941 just a few days after uh, Pearl Harbor. Pearl Harbor. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got people just like paranoid that the Japanese are going to attack the coast. And they do. <laughs> God, uh, do they? You've got Christopher they, Lee playing a freaking uh, like an SS officer on the Japanese That's side. who that was. I was like, there's something about this dude. Oh yeah, uh, I didn't realize that was Christopher Lee. That was my mind. Oh yeah, dude. Like, he just, I, I guess, like, he just looks so different older. I mean, but yeah, God. wow. Okay, John Belushi, Slim. Pickens, John Belushi Dan was a pure. He's chaos. It was pure chaos in this film. Oh he was my playing God. like the kind of character he always played in movies where it's just like there's a swath of destruction behind him. <laughs> yeah. Um th- that scene where he shows up at the uh the like lunatic lieutenant camp, right? And uh he like hops out of the plane, the dude runs up, kicks him in the shin, and he just fucking lays him out. Yeah. And then like People are pouring coffee for him constantly, and he's taking a sip, spitting it out on someone, <laughs> and then like throwing the rest of the cup on someone else. And people are just like falling down around him. Oh my god, dude, I love it. This whole movie is like so slapstick and farcical. It is it very slapstick. Like, it feels like Commedia dell'arte for anyone who's like not familiar with that. So there's classic tropes mm-hmm. of like Arlecchino and Pedrolino and like the the sad clown or the like. The fact that, like, half of these characters are just trying to get laid. (laughs) Yeah. Literally. Literally, that, and that's what causes everything to go wrong. And so many people are just trying to get fucked in specific ways. In in the plane. Like, yeah, the only way to have, for this woman to have sex with this dude is if it's in a plane. Yeah. Solid. 
I here's my one critique of this film because I did like it. I did like the slapstick bits and like the interweaving and just like pure absurdity of like at one point in the movie this dude who who is like a dishwasher at a restaurant they make him a sergeant and like let him shoot a fucking gun through los angeles <laughs> and you're like and you're just like what is going on we were watching that and uh shelby was like why everyone is so incompetent like everyone is just like a fuck up and like you get to that scene where this kid that was like a dishwasher who was like learning to dance while he's like throwing dishes at another guy and uh yeah oh my god and he wanted to dance so bad he i don't even think he really wanted to get laid in this film he just really wanted to dance he wanted to dance well and it's less about him wanting to get laid and him uh trying to protect his girlfriend from like from this, a fucking this predator yeah yeah um but that whole, like, let's just talk on, like, a technical sense right now. Because there's a dance scene coincided with a fight scene mm -hmm. uh, where there's girls and dudes dancing around with some, like, pretty advanced techniques. And then, like, guys running up a wall and doing backflips and, like, smashing chairs on each other. And, it, it, like, that, just shooting that is insane. Yeah. That's yeah, that's fair. Like yeah, the coordination level. through all those scenes is pretty nutty. Yeah. But like, it's funny because like, you know, every like, if you get fuck up, like they want to do it in one take most of the time. So like, sometimes if one person's like fucking up, it's like, well, let's just keep going through it. Stop, dog. There's so many little uh, bits in this too, like the Hollywood Japanese uh, yeah. guy. Yeah. Oh my god. His storyline is the continuous bit throughout. Yeah. The movie. It, yeah. The movie opens up with this woman going out for a nude swim in the Pacific, and then the Japanese submarine uh, <laughs> breaching the water and her getting stuck on like their uh, periscope. And then he like goes to close as they go to submerge and he sees <laughs> this woman's ass. Bare ass. And he just points at it and he goes, Hollywood. Hollywood. Like, <laughs> it was, it was, like, I was like, all right, I'm dead. This was the 70s. This felt very 70s. Right. Or uh, when they, they take Slim Pickens, whose character's name is Hollis P. Wood. And they're like, hey. Hollywood, and he goes, "Well, I'm Hollywood. <laughs> I'm Hollywood." He's like, "You Hollywood." <laughs> that that whole sequence was so ridiculous, and I was like, at first, I was like, "Oh my god, they're making the Japanese look so incompetent." But then, like, you know, the very next sequence of events, it's like, "Well, it's Holy like shit, everybody is." And this there's so many little jokes that have such good payoff. Like their fucking compass explodes at one point, and the Japanese guy's like, "Oh, this, like, what kind of sub did you fucking sell us?" Talking to the uh, Christopher the Lee's German. character, the German. And he's like, "A German youth could operate a fucking compass. You guys are incompetent." And then like, Hollis Wood has a, a 
pack of Cracker Jacks, basically. And they pull a little compass out of it, and, <laughs> and they all start celebrating, and he fucking swallows it. Yeah. And so then they make him... Sh I'm like... I'm like, dude, the Japanese would <laughs> slice this man open right then and there and retreat. Well, you, like, they would not... They, they proceed to give him fucking prune juice and try to get him to shit. I'm like... Well, it's just like I thought the it was entire composition act. of that scene, right? Because it's like he yeah. swallows it. And then from just, like, off screen, you see this, like, dagger get drawn and drawn, like, pulled onto the uh, the frame. <laughs> and his reaction is like, like oh. boy, what the hell are you doing with it? <laughs> <laughs> But then, like, yeah. yeah, the prune juice, followed by him going to the bathroom, being like, well, I can't go if everyone's looking at me. And then him slamming his boots into the toilet water to make it sound like he's dropping bombs. Yeah, uh, I was like, oh, And my by God. bombs, I mean big poo-poos. BMs. <laughs> the beest of M's. Ow. And then they all fucking come running in, and he's like concealed himself on the ceiling and fucking drops on top of him and they all scream like girls <laughs> like, yeah all of it right like every and they single have thing is fucking funny yeah yeah it's it's silly it's silly goofy i i think i would have i would have liked it a lot more i feel like i just like wasn't super into the slapstick mood because i feel like you have to be in a mood for a movie like this yeah and I, I think personally i just what i wasn't in that mood especially going into it having watched the first one and like i don't know having having that like more visceral sense of of war and stuff and then it's just like everybody's just being really really dumb and yeah, just like I... With with my watch through of these three, this is the one I started with, um, which I think was probably the, the best idea. Um, yeah. yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, it's just something nostalgic about it. I just feel like we don't get enough of that same comedy That's nowadays. Exactly what I told Shelby. I went, they do not make comedies like this anymore. Yeah. Um. Because, like, no. think, like, that whole sequence we were just talking about is, like, a five-minute sequence in this movie. And the movie's about two hours long. Mm -hmm. But the whole movie is like that. Yeah. The whole movie's like that. Yeah, and I think that's that was another part of it was, like, as I was going through it, I didn't feel very strongly about any of the characters too much to care that much about where the plot was going. And I felt like, especially after the, the, uh, bar or the, uh, crystal hotel fight scene, it felt like it shouldn't have been like another hour after that or yeah. however, if, or like 45 minutes or whatever. Uh, my, my thing was like, I kind of knew it was like, criticism. I, I knew it was supposed to be nonsensical. So like, I didn't really like, my thing was like I went into this more so like being like yeah I'm not I, I'm not supposed to really care about the plot it's just pure, purely for like stupid nonsensical comedic value like watching this movie oh my god the Japanese sub the radio doesn't work so they steal oh, yeah. Hollis P Woods radio out of his truck <laughs> and uh, they try to put it in through the fucking uh, top of the sub but it doesn't fit 
in that point where the one guy goes, we got to figure out a way to make these smaller. And this is like 1979 when this, when this movie came out. And J- Japan is like the leader of electronics. Yeah. Making like tinier and tinier electronics constantly. And you're just like, what a good bit. It's like <laughs> yeah. one line, but it's such a good bit. Yeah. And like, I don't know. Like this movie's just like, every joke has a payoff. Mm-hmm. Uh there's constant jokes like it's it's as farcical as farcical can be like it is through and through a classic farce yeah um and on top of it it's like very funny actors it's very serious actors playing very funny roles like i can't get enough of this movie there is another thing that i did enjoy was there like you were saying there were a lot of payoffs to in the story like at some point like some silly little bit is gonna play into another bit later on and just like they they didn't for it didn't feel like they forgot anything um and i don't know they they just tried to pack it as much as they could with the material they had and i I did really enjoy that about that the film like everything everything worked everything finished yeah, like beginning of the movie, Stretch goes, I fucking hate eggs. You got egg on my uniform, I hate it. And then like the payoff in the end is he's with the girl he didn't want to be with, covered in eggs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, or or uh the I love Dan Aykroyd constantly from the start of him uh in the film to the end was always like Man, I really hate you know what I really hate seeing is Americans fighting Americans. <laughs> I won't take it. And literally the entire movie until the last like five to ten minutes was all Americans mm-hmm. fighting Americans, period. <laughs> yeah. And he was con and they thought they weren't. They thought they were fighting other people. And I just find I found that to be a very like my, so- funny social commentary. My absolute fate favorite Dan Aykroyd bit in this is when he gets bonked on the head. And they're driving through the paint factory in the tank. And he's got like a stocking over his head with a couple of grapefruit. And he's like, I'm a bug. Me. <laughs> <laughs> and we're watching that. And Shelby goes, what the fuck was that? <laughs> I know. I, I, I found that so random. But I, I just like, I really pictured myself like being on that set to where it's just like, Let's just roll for five minutes and you just do some weird shit. <laughs> and we'll just like find the one that really hits. And I well, felt like that Dean was Aykroyd that is like moment. famously a very good improv guy. Like he started an improv. Like yeah. he started it uh I think Second City in Chicago. And like that's what got him SNL and that's what got him all these movies and things. Uh the dude was an amazing improv uh actor, artist, performer. I don't know what the mm-hmm. um like half the books you read about improv are going to mention Dan Aykroyd at some point, just because like he's that legendary and improv and humor. Um, and that just fully feels like an improv bit. Like uh, you got bonked on the head. You're acting kind of crazy. Just do whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, tons of payoffs in the movie. And every joke has a payoff. Like it, it's just such a feel good movie too. Like the good guy gets the girl in the end. Um, the 
we simultaneously defeat the Japanese and the Japanese defeat us. <laughs> the Nazi gets thrown off the boat. Um, yeah. It's just a fun movie. Yeah. 9.5 out of 10 for me. 9.5 out of 10. Wow. Yeah, I think as far, as far as comedies go, it doesn't get much better than this. Yeah. Hmm. I liked like, it. Tell me a movie that's a better comedy than this. It's pretty. This one's pretty good. Oh, don't put me on the spot like that. I'm... That's what I'm saying, though. It's like <laughs> the only ones that would come up would be like other movies from around this time with similar actors. Like I don't know, maybe Animal House, yeah. uh, maybe Ghostbusters, maybe uh... The Hangover is pretty funny. Maybe The Hangover. I'm giving it an eight. Point nine. Nah, I'm gonna give it a nine. I'll give it a nine out of ten. It was really good. I'm gonna I think I'm gonna give it like a seven nine to an eight. Fair. But again, that's with you know I heard Matt that's with my nine, situation. So I have to agree with that. He gave it a nine. Uh, <laughs> so uh nineteen forty one, uh almost the beginning of the war. That brings us to 1944, almost the end of the war. Now, 1944 is really interesting. For some of us. Because it is a... Uh, it's about Estonians. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a really interesting movie because Estonia got fucked from every fucking side. Uh, yeah. It started off with the Reds invading them, uh, taking a bunch of people and basically forcing them into a rifle company. Um, then the Nazis came along whenever, uh, they decided to backstab the Reds and they took Estonia and then they forced a bunch of people into, uh, rifle companies. Um, it was actually a little bit interesting historically because at first they were like, oh good, you saved us from the Stalinist regime. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then, you know, Hitler shit started happening and they were like, actually you guys suck too. (laughs) Yeah. That and that happened to a lot of countries that inevitably became the USSR is like either they got attacked first by Nazis or they got attacked first by the USSR because the Nazis were grabbing land essentially. Yeah. And neither side so, was better as no, far as like how no they way. treated people. Yeah. Um, no, not at all. And that that isn't and especially like concentration camps and stuff like that, they continued on well into the eighties for a lot of these countries, like legitimate work camps where they work you to death and fucking burn you. Yeah. I mean, even in, uh, even in this movie, there's a commentary on a couple like old farmers and as they're driving away and you're on the, the red perspective at this point, one guy goes, yeah, sucks because they'll be labeled as kulaks and they'll be sent straight to gulag. Mm-hmm. And you're like, yep. <laughs> straight to gulag. Yep. Um, so first off, I just want to say these sets were fucking awesome. These like the trench warfare that was going on. Yeah. In this movie was fucking awesome. And I feel like the combat that they depict is pretty close to how that shit would have gone. Like Chuck nades yeah. into the other side of the trench, pop around the corner shoot whoever's still like groaning 
and then like move on and that's exactly what this movie does yeah. uh overall like it's an incredibly touching character story like yeah it's it's really interesting because it wants to show both sides of that estonian perspective in world war ii so it starts off with a bunch of guys who are part of the uh ss actually yeah the ss so on the nazi side but it's interesting because they're part of the ss because they can't be made part of the wehrmacht uh to be part of the wehrmacht which is the actual german military you had to be a german citizen uh, mm. But the SS was not under those constraints because they were technically their own, uh, like, private force. So they were able to make uh, regiments out of conscripts from foreign countries. Which is why they're all wearing SS uniforms in this. Despite the fact that they are not mm. SS guys and they, as far as we know, did not partake in any of the uh, Holocaust type stuff. Yeah. Um but you see this like camaraderie right like these guys who are like barely more than boys they're friends they're comrades they're singing they're bantering mm -hmm. uh it felt exactly like when you're hanging out with your friends and that's exactly kind of what you expect from guys who are going through like such traumatic circumstances together yeah absolutely and and the the thing is i felt like there was never a point in this film where I felt like there was a single main character. Um, but I still felt like that that bond with each of them. And it kind of like it created that tension where especially when one of the first like guys that we follow the most ends up dying. Yeah, because he's like, who's, who's like writing letters. Yeah. And you're like, oh, shit. OK, like he's, like he's been the narrator up to that point because you hear his thoughts. You don't hear anyone else's thoughts. Exactly. Um, and you're like, oh, oh fuck. Like, yeah, he got I, shot and I paused the movie because I was like, how much time is left in this? And there was yeah. another hour and I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's another thing that I think this movie did really well was. You know, those perspective shifts, especially after we're following that SS fighter and spoiler alert, he dies. Um, we follow another character within his company who then gets caught up in the middle of essentially the changing of regimes and he eventually. Well, even before that. Uh, the fight that he yeah. ends up dying in because your first main character is Carl and you follow Carl for a while you find out that his army got sent to Siberia whenever the Reds initially came through <clears throat> and so that's that's why he joins the Germans whenever they show up is so that he can you know fight Soviets because the Soviets yeah. have destroyed his family um And then when he gets killed halfway through the movie, you're like, what the fuck? And yeah. it's like a weirdly intimate scene between him and the guy who shoots him. Uh, what is it? Yuri? Yuri is the guy Yuri? who uh, shoots him. Um, but almost immediately after that, uh, the leader of the German guys calls for a retreat. And the leader of the red guys goes, they're Estonian, stop firing, everyone stop firing. Yeah. And that then they let them moment. leave. 
Yeah, and like that's a moment where you're like, oh shit. Because they talked about it in the film. They're like, what are you going to do whenever the uh, Estonians come back from Russia and we have to fight them? And he's like, yeah. like one guy's like, well, fuck them, you know? And then everyone else is kind of like, ah, we don't want to fight our brothers, you know, like our friends and family and cousins and these people that we should be coming together with to build our own country, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So you get that scene where he shoots him. They retreat, and then he like closes his eyes and straightens his uniform, and like that. I fully, maybe not cried, but like I fully teared up at that point. I was like, "This fucking hurts. This hurts to watch." He put on the blur filter, folks. Um, he straight up put the blur filter on. I'll also say I fully did not expect the perspective change in the middle of the movie. I didn't either. I was I was like, oh, we're with this group. Like and it seems yeah. like there's no telling who's gonna die, so at least we're gonna like stay with this group. But then we completely change. Yeah, and when they kill when they kill him off in the middle of the movie, you're like, Whoa, what are they gonna so do? So disorienting. Now? Yeah. Um but yeah, so whenever they they go from you know the SS Estonian men to the Estonian Rifle Corps, a Red Army regiment, like it was just fully unexpected. Uh, and it was heartbreaking too, because like you felt like you really knew Carl. Uh, you felt like you understood his his pain in this conflict. Uh, and a lot of a lot of the people in his his company battalion, I don't know what you'd call it. Which also they inevitably, some of them end up coming back into the film. Yeah. As part of the red side. Yeah. So and, there's two twins that get introduced very early and one of them dies. Uh, oh, that moment was insane. Dude. Soviet sniper just pops his brother in the face while, yeah. while they're all just kind of chilling and just like sitting in the trench, just so casual. And they're like, it felt like the scene was like 10 minutes of this dude just like processing the shock of what just happened to his twin brother. And it's just so gut wrenching. Yeah. And everybody just like hugs him and just like tries to make him feel better, but it's just, uh, Oh yeah. Oh my God. Kill him. Uh, killer. But so after Carl dies, Yuri becomes the character of focus and good god man this movie just does not pull any punches because he goes to yuri's sister sorry he goes to carl's sister carl's sister's place delivers carl's last letter to her doesn't tell her that he is the guy that killed him yeah and then ends up like going on a date with her basically Mm -hmm. and falling in love with her and it's like the only thing he can think about throughout the rest of the movie i feel like and you're just like and and he's after she goes yeah you you really remind me of my brother oh Oh, you're like oh the pain chill bro chill yeah and then the rest of the movie is just him thinking about her and how much he loves her and then contemplating the fact that like why didn't i tell her and if he should yeah, but also like trying to protect her from the fucking political arm of the Red Army. 
and yeah. uh and him not, being like black connected to a nazi yeah exactly um, rough man it's rough out here jesus it feels so okay also we get to the end of the movie right and there's four like 16 year old boys who are wearing uh ss uniforms and they're running away uh this estonian rifle company like takes them prisoner basically has them at gunpoint and is like go on get you know like you're just kids go home get rid of those uniforms um and the the political officer a commissar you'd probably say comes up and he's like yuri shoot these traitors and yuri's like you're boys i'm not shooting them dude fucking shoots yuri right in the goddamn heart yeah and you're like okay what the fuck yeah oh god once again completely unexpected murdering your main character especially because him and that (laughs) officer were they had created this rapport of like they were essentially just like he they wanted him to spy and figure out who was connected to nazis and was blackmailing him in a lot of ways to get him to be his friend and he just without hesitation just pulls the gun up and shoots that guy Uh, thankfully there's a happy ending that guy gets shot there's a silver lining i should say that dude gets shot the 16 year old boys are told to leave get rid of their uniforms and uh that's pretty much the end of the movie um and it ends on this note of uh i think it said this goes out to everyone who fought and died in the name of freedom and i think that was very touching yeah Um, and i mean it really couldn't have ended any happier for it being set where it's set you know you have this these young kids who are let go not used as just like I don't know. Uh, they aren't killed, and but you know it's shit out there where they're going to, no matter what. And but there's the hope, and that's really kind of what we're left with at the end. And I, I really, I did really like how that ended. Um, personally. Yeah, I mean, brother, this movie fucking is so good at establishing the characters uh and getting you to connect with them and feel with them and to feel like you're part of those uh that brotherhood that like camaraderie that exists between these these different soldiers and it is so good at fucking ripping that from you ripping it like the damn beyblade thing i'm gonna rip it yeah this movie hurt it was really fucking good though it does and that's and yeah that's what i'm saying like what i really really liked about this film i've been to a lot of like war museums in europe and every time i leave there's just like i don't know you're you're immersed in that culture and you're like fuck dude these people survived this shit like they had this now it just like blows your mind that I don't know. People could live and persevere through that and still have their identity. 
it's it's wild, man. It's wild. Well, and I feel like this film, this film gave me that like gravity and that perspective. I feel like that only a a true war museum in said country can do. Ow. Yeah, we'll say the dialogue in this movie was pretty good too. Um, I don't know if this was the same for you guys, but I didn't have like an original language option. It was only an English dub. Did you have that? That yeah, that's all I had. Yeah. That's all I had to. All right. So there's the line where Yuri. It translated well, though. It does. Yeah. Yuri's talking to the sharpshooter and the the red rifle regiment that he's part of. And um, the sharpshooter, who's the guy at the end of the movie who shoots the commissar, (coughs) says, Yuri, you didn't kill him. The war did. Yeah. Talking about Yuri killing Carl. And I, I'm going to be honest, I teared up a little bit at that line. That, yeah, that was... Because, like, it's, it feels unfair. Everything mm-hmm. about the situation feels unfair, right? Because, like, Yuri had to kill a fellow Estonian. Uh, he's fallen in love with the dude's sister. Uh, he is being blackmailed uh, to rat on his, like, brothers-in-arms. Uh he feels this like overwhelming guilt about killing Carl. And then like, you just have this one dude in the regiment being like, look, man, it's not your fault. Yeah. This fucked up situation. And it like, it, it doesn't fully relieve the, the emotional tension, but like it, it takes the thumb off. It takes the pressure off a little bit. Yeah. Like, and you feel that. You definitely feel that in that in that situation too, especially because you're 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 in shock that like this movie would decide to literally sever us from the first half like essential protagonists. Yeah, I will say. Did you notice that oh. the twin, whenever he became part of the uh, the Soviet regiment? Was the the heavy machine gunner? Oh, really? Yeah. So he's the one that gets the DP twenty eight at the end there. I did not realize that. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was like really interesting. Just because like the because he was the one who decided. Yeah, he was the one who was like, "Oh, I'm volunteering to be the machine gunner," and then got the other guy to do it, the other brother to do it. That okay, like right in the beginning when they're introduced. Yeah, I'm gonna be honest. Don't know which brother died first because I yeah I, I don't either. I thought that's what twins. you were saying. Uh, but yeah, no, it is it is one of the twins that has the the heavy machine gun. Um, but that but that ambiguity I feel like is is interesting. You know. Yeah. A little more intrigue. Yeah. All that to say that just like the movie, man, is is good. You should it's watch it because carries. apparently, according to Wikipedia, the film has been banned in the Russian Federation. Yeah, fuck them. Makes sense. So, fuck Russia. Everybody fuck should. France, fuck China. Oh <laughs> let's <laughs> let's stop. Let's stop. Come on now. 
Yeah, America first. <laughs> oh. No, wrong. Uh, I'm gonna give this movie like uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna what did I give 1917. You gave it a nine because you said it wasn't perfect. All right, I'm gonna give this I've... one a nine point five. I give this one a seven point five. Wow. I, oh, wow. I, I I thought it was okay. It, I, okay. I I don't know. I didn't. I definitely did not have as much of an emotional response. I think as Andrew did, or as much of an emotional response as I did to nineteen seventeen. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't feel like I don't feel like I, I don't. Know, I didn't feel like the characters built up as much of a like. I don't, know, I don't feel like I built up as much of an attachment to the characters. Yeah. What the heck, dude? When That's the fair. SS guys are in the bunker in the beginning of the movie and the guy with glasses is like, I have my own Fuhrer. And then he shows them the picture of his girlfriend and she's hot and they're all like, oh, pretty oh, funny. oh, yeah. and then like later on, whenever the, the, the like townswoman oh, the, is like bossing yeah. the, the she's like, she's like having him, t- having like, him take all the shit out of the, the wagon so they can use it to transport yeah, he goes, people. No, that's a Fuhrer. Yeah. <laughs> That was that was also pretty good, but yeah, no, you know what? Uh, I'll I'm gonna give it an eight, not a seven point five. I'm gonna give it an eight. All right, fine, I'll take that. Yeah, I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it a nine. I'm gonna give it a nine. Nine. I I I had to be. I I really really enjoyed this movie, um, a lot, and I always appreciate a, a World War II film that. Tells a uh, different country's story because, like, I feel like if you're not Russia, if you're not Germany, and if you're not America, like, your story isn't told that much. And I think they just did a really good job of. You forgot Britain. Oh, uh, Britain. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. You forgot France. I don't, I, I don't feel like there's that many movies like centered around french fighters oh you mean there's not that many or italian about the french just getting their shit pushed in constantly oh my god and uh, putting up pretty much no resistance whatsoever and then needing the the rest of europe to come save them it's a movie called always give in always give up (laughs) (laughs) it's a movie called peanut butter stuck to the top of your mouth oh Oh, my god I'm sorry. I do not know my... what you are talking about. <laughs> to the French people, I respect you. We don't I appreciate have any your French culture. Listeners. Well, if if we ever do, I appreciate respect your culture, your language, and goddamn if your food ain't the best. <clears throat> Why? Because it's covered Cause in all... butter and full of cream. Because there's butter. Yeah. Butter. Don't be a cream hater, bro. Comparing, anyway. uh, shut up. Comparing uh, dramas to dramas, all right? 1917, 1944, and uh, Saving Private Ryan. Do you think either one of these were better than Saving Private Ryan? I, I can't say. I haven't seen Saving um, Private Ryan in a while, but I mean... I can't... Just, it, at least like, I can't speak on... 1917. I was going to say, you haven't even seen that movie. True. Yeah. Um. Stop. Yeah, I don't know. 
I think I think a lot. My my thing is like 1917. A lot of that resonates with me because of the cinematography, because of the scoring, because of like I, I don't know a lot of those aspects that go into the artistry of it. Um, whereas like I think Saving Private Ryan probably. Probably one upset on like the emotional aspect, like the the actual drama of it. Uh, of nineteen seventeen or nineteen forty four. Of nineteen seventeen. Oh, okay, okay. Because obviously, I like nineteen seventeen better of the two between that and nineteen forty four. So if we're talking like hmm. comparing to, to Saving Private Ryan, that's what I'm gonna you know. Okay. The the one I well, liked better of the two. All right, then I'll come out with the nineteen forty four perspective. I think I don't think it is better than Saving Private Ryan. Um, there's a lot of cinematography based reasons and just like also a lot of nostalgia reasons. Oh, stop fighting me. Um, plus, I feel like there were. <clears throat> I have personal connection to that war, you know, like my, both my grandfathers fought in it and I just feel like and I had good relationships with them, and I, there's there's a lot of that tied to it. Mm-hmm. But as I as I am now, as an older adult, I, and like learning a lot more perspectives from different countries on on this this war. I think if I watched 1944 when I was younger, I definitely wouldn't have liked it as much. Mm-hmm. I definitely wouldn't have like appreciated a lot of the storylines as much. Yeah. And also, like, I wasn't super, like, for a lot of people, foreign films are a hump to get over, to be fair, mm-hmm. as well. Just in general, especially if with dubbing. I know some people don't like dubs, but this is a really good dub. Really good script, uh, translated script as well. Um, but yeah, I I would say for that reason, 100%. Saving Private Ryan is better, but this is a very good film. Don't get me wrong. I don't know. I feel like this is on par with Saving Private Ryan. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I, I think I mean, 1944 I think is on par with Saving Private Ryan. I think that 1917 and Saving Private Ryan probably can't be as uh, compared as easily. Um, yeah, different war, different scenarios. Ow. Not even really that. It's just like the style of the storytelling is so different that uh, yeah. it's hard for me to be like this one. Like they're trying to tell two different stories uh, two different ways, um, but also kind of the same story in the same way, right? Like mm-hmm. it's a war story. It's about trying to save a dude. Um it's just in one, it's like the last remaining son of this family. And in 1917, it's a dude trying to save his brother, you know? Yeah. Um, but as far as like how those roads are walked, they do them quite differently. Yeah. Um, interesting. 1944 though. I do think that cause like most of the gist of saving private Ryan, why it means so much is like, you have all these guys that give up their lives to get one dude home. Um, you feel this like brotherhood and camaraderie grow over the course of the movie and it's like you're kind of hurt whenever certain characters die um 
Yeah. And I, I think that that's pretty much the same as 1944. Like, you have all this camaraderie built up, and you get attached to these characters, and it hurts when they die. Um, yeah. And I actually think and that think... the way they do the through story with Carl and his sister and then Yuri. They do uh, that very well, I think. I thought that that was very well done. Yeah, I would agree. Um, so, yeah, I would absolutely say this is on par with uh, Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. And with that, I think that created a whole different dimension from Saving Private Ryan, too. Yeah. You know, I, I feel sure. like Saving Private Ryan was very much more straightforward. 1944 was a lot more complex and aptly so, especially talking about a, a country that was part of the USSR after the war. Yeah, it should also be there's some like, crazy fucked up shit that happens saving private ryan is definitely like big hollywood kind of feel with like yeah definitely. huge sets and tons of extras whereas like 1944 is very intimate um mm -hmm. i agree a lot smaller production i would say and i think that's it's it's better for it yeah no i think that was fully to its strength because you're able to get like attached to this handful of characters uh and very quickly. and it's and I think it's the shortest. It's not even that long of a movie. But man, do you feel like you watch some shit after that? Yeah. Like it's not even. It's like an, what, like an hour and a half, maybe. Something like that. It's not even that long of a film, but it, there's just so much to it, which I appreciate. And I feel like it could easily be if it had such a budget. A Saving Private Ryan and star power could be. Yeah, so here it's saying an hour par. forty and oh, hour forty. I mean, like with credits, probably hour and a half is right. Um, I think that makes it the shortest of these movies because nineteen forty one is almost two hours. Nineteen seventeen, I think, is also it's two about two hours. hours. Yeah, and the longest was nineteen forty one, and I think that's also why I probably should have watched it first because, like. After going through something so heavy and then it being like so slapstick, I feel like it was hard for me to get over that initially um, until a little bit further into the film. <clears throat> so I definitely think that affected my rating. Well, I guess there's two theories there, right? It's like watch something heavy, then watch something lighthearted or watch something lighthearted and then watch something heavy. Yeah, but it's all war, and I, I don't know. I guess for me, I just like that shit gets me. Well, I think that is about it for this episode. Uh, this yeah. has been the 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 war year episode. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I think this is our highest scoring episode. Yeah, like I think we had three movies. Sure. Yeah. Three like, really solid movies. Good. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is the fur. This might be the first episode where I like. I think I was fully just like good with all three movies. Mm -hmm. um, fully involved, if you will. Actually, you know what? Uh, oh, gosh. Uh, Patrick, not Patrick, uh, freaking, what's his name? No. Oh, um, 
god. <laughs> it's been a little bit. Uh, what was that? What was that from? What movie was that? <laughs> that was Tombstone. Kurt Russell. Oh, oh the Kurt, Kurt Russell. Russell episode. I know I really like both of those, but that was only two movies, you know. Uh this yeah. was three movies that I think are all very solid movies that uh I mean yeah. if you don't like war movies, you won't I mean don't fucking watch them. But like if if you're a cool guy and you can watch war movies, uh watch these cuz they're all good. Um, the outlier here is definitely going to be 1941 because it is very much a farce and a comedy and it's not really about like war in Europe whereas the other no. two are war in Europe um, but yeah, yeah I think this is a good little collection honestly yeah I, yeah. I, I agree I, it was definitely the best the best three so far in my opinion um No offense to the Hellraiser episode. <laughs> oh, that was uh. What what else was that? I think that was the Lovecraftian episode. It was like Hellraiser, yeah, was... the Lighthouse, and uh, I can't remember what the third one was. Oh well, it's out there. What's the it. next? What's the next one? I don't know. Maybe just oh. AI girlfriends. We'll we'll talk about that. I think behind the scenes. Yeah. Okay. But so for now, we see you next time. I think we should as do always. Cats. As always, music by Carl Casey at Wipeout Audio. Give him a listen. Really if you good. want to email the podcast, you can yeah. email it at cryptidworksofficial at gmail We have a Patreon. It's the official. Follow us on x slash Twitter at BadPipesPod. Uh, and as Scott was saying, the Patreon is just uh, patreon.com forward slash BadPipesPodcast. And I'm Matt. Goodbye, I love you. Goodbye. Kiss Matthew Lillard goodnight for me. <laughs>